Hey, and welcome back to episode six of the 8A Show. I'm your host, Henry Mazariegos, and I'm joined today with... Felipe Segura. Joey Friddle. And today we have a special episode. Felipe just got back from Argentina, visiting for a week, and so he's going to fill you guys on what went down there. Yeah, man, it was, uh, it was a great trip. Went down to Neuquén and then uh, Mendoza, Argentina. So I think we got to add two provinces to the map. Uh, I know you guys are listening here on the podcast, but we should kind of have a little map, you know, in the background. Yeah, here, with the little pins kind of in a it. Pin of every province that we're hitting, you know. Uh, but no, it was it was amazing. You know, not only amazing because it was summer down there, and you know, it's it's winter here. It's a bit chilly, you know. Uh, but uh, no, just incredible to see the experience of of first of all seeing the kids that we're working with in the Chris Air Basket program. You know, progressing. You know, we saw a tournament of them playing and. And working together and building those fundamentals, which was honestly incredible. And, you know, we were doing some also community outreach out in some pretty, you know, rural areas in Nelken, uh, you know, uh, towns like uh, Chosmalau, which is this kind of, you know, it's 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 a normal kind of city. I, I, it's hard to, like, compare it to a city here in the United States, but it, it was pretty remote. And we were working with some pretty disadvantaged disadvantaged kids so it's pretty special yeah well so uh you guys were there for how long a week yeah we're there for a week so kind of just flew in um with a a a few members from the chris air team volunteers so daniel walker stefan eliopoulos um you know great guys and uh and uh our our ceo nicholas segura um and we kind of flew in first went to chasmalal so we had to fly in from buenos aires to Nelken City, and then from there we had to take a five-hour bus ride. Uh, we were a little delayed, so we got in at like 10, 10.30, and right when we got off the bus, basketball clinic. Like, these people were waiting for us for three hours mm-hmm. on a Friday night to like host us, and like we had the whole community there watching us give this clinic to uh, you know, children and, and young adults who are in wheelchairs and playing, uh, uh, you know, basketball for, for people in wheelchairs. Um, and, and some of them had Down syndrome. Some of them were victims of kind of uh, uh, burns, like pretty significant burns when they were young so that they can't walk properly and so they have to be on a wheelchair most of the time. Um, and just running that clinic with them, seeing the joy that it brings, kind of the, the sport and talking about the virtues and, and saying never give up, it, it was just absolutely incredible. Wait, and, so and describe the differences between teaching kids with legs and teaching pe- uh, people in wheelchairs. Like, what did you have to do differently? Like, I don't know. Just very unique situation there. Yeah, I mean, I think with the wheelchair, it's a little bit more like certain kids are more specialized than others, right? So, like, if you're working with someone who has Down syndrome, right, like, it's not only that like they can't walk, like it's also that like potentially uh, prefrontal cortex movements a little bit less and and understandings less. But I think whatever they lose in, in movement, they make up in heart, right? And I think that that's like really special about it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just to me that was like the best moment and just like real like I was so tired, right? Because I, I mean, we were probably traveling for. I think at that point, like 36 hours like, from when we left the door to getting there and like just like and being so tired and then being like put into that place and being like, wow, this is so special to work with these kids. And 
and yeah, and like obviously you have some that are a little bit more uh, like able to move around and. And actually, at one point, to answer your question, I mean, we we got in wheelchairs and mm-hmm. played basketball with them, played a little game with them. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was pretty special. Uh, like, it's actually pretty cool the way you move around in a wheelchair, like kind of moving your arm, like use one arm to kind of like pivot the, the wheelchair around in directions. But um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely different. And you don't dribble. Um, oh, once you're traveling. Well, I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess that's one way to look at it. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, it, it's definitely a different game um, and there's definitely a learning curve, but we were well prepared, I think. So yeah, it was awesome. And then next day we kind of went, uh, had a few different uh, clinics where people from all over the, 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 the city and, and around the area had come in to, you know, see us play. Uh, had a three on three tournament at the end with the kids, it was fantastic. Uh, you know, signed a few autographs, you know, in there as well, you know, so, you know, you kind of see the excitement that a lot of the kids have and, and just talking about local problems and, and, and it, conditions in that area. Um, so very special. Yeah. Uh, and now was this the first time that you guys have been working with this group of kids in wheelchairs or, cause I know we for 8A have, haven't done missionary work in Mendoza. So well, this is now Nelkan. This is in Nelkan. Okay, uh, so well, I mean, we've never worked with wheelchair basketball children. Is this the first time for Crossair, or had they done this program before? No, no, I think this was the first program. So we've done programs in prisons. I know that, uh, and I, I haven't personally been to that one. That's more on the Crossair basket side, right? Us at eight A folks more on the education, but uh, no, this was the first time with wheelchairs. I think, and honestly, like it's just eye opening. Yeah, like there are. You know, we, we've been, you know, discussing a lot of like the different forms of poverty on this podcast, right? What does it look like in America, South America? Uh, but when you start talking about people with special needs, it, it gets to a different like area altogether, especially when you're in a country that's so under-resourced, right? Like Argentina, like the problems in the United States and then poorer resources. But what I think you do see, right? And like, I think this is, ties back to our discussion and what made me think about it was like, although there might be less material wealth out in these areas, the spiritual wealth is much higher up there. And mm-hmm. so people were more optimistic about their condition mm-hmm. and and that was, was great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and one awesome thing about like, just thinking about the kids in wheelchair and you're talking about the high spirit that these people have is definitely just the nature of being in a wheelchair definitely requires people to help you out more than normal. So that, I guess that sense of community and helping each other out is furthermore emphasized just because people need more help. And especially in an area where you don't have as many resources for these people, I assume. Yeah, no, no, it, uh, definitely. Yeah. And, and like, I don't know, like the, what, what's, what's so special about that though too is like, it really brings the community together, you know, like when someone needs help and like there isn't, you know, like a government or like a special program already there in place, like where people turn to is their family, their community. And like, it's great to see when, see the community step up and then to see organizations like ourselves come in and, and give that a little bit extra inspiration, you know, and that, and that was great. And, you know, I hope, you know, 
potentially one day to 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 continue working in that area right mm -hmm. in whatever capacity Crisair does it so yeah. we were we were really optimistic about that and and the clinics afterwards were fantastic we met with a few you know municipal leaders afterwards had a, a traditional asado actually oh, very nice. mm -hmm. yeah they uh uh it's goat they eat in that area it's like a very specialized wow. area of goat so how was that different or it was great well we eat the slower the like more cow right mm -hmm. when we go to san juan mm -hmm. right bovine do, yeah like more brisket equivalent mm -hmm. in the u.s right yeah. um sausage but they do the same way like that brisket like slow roast for goat so okay. it was it was pretty sweet and yeah the municipality had set it up meeting with the director of sport talking about just like how much certain sports have kind of fallen off and now can because you know we're in World Cup time, so when everyone, again, thinks of Argentina, we think of soccer, right? But mm -hmm. not a lot of people know, but soccer isn't, like, too strong in Argentina uh, outside of, like, the area of Rosario, Buenos Aires, and Cordoba. Like, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah actually, outside of that area, like, you have one player uh, on the national team right now who's from Nauken, that area, right? But that's kind of, like, an anomaly. Like, most of them are not from the out, outer provinces. They're actually from like very specific regions that are like specialized in mm -hmm. soccer. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, it's great to kind of revive that tradition. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing, can you describe maybe differences or similarities between the trip when we went down to in August? Because as our listeners know, we've been, we've talked about that a lot, done a number of podcasts. So one thing I know right off the bat is the weather. We went down in August, and down there in Argentina, it's snowing, it's the winter. You went down, it's hot. So differences and similarities between the trips? Yeah, I mean, I think where we were in Chosmalal, I mean, this was in the middle of the like province, right? It's like, it'd probably be another, I'd say, a few hours to go farther south to get to like where we were, Bariloche, right? Um, so we definitely were not in... You know, terrible road conditions, mm -hmm. you know, like you yeah, know, yeah. ice, kind of trying to figure out ways to get between airports and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was pretty hot. There's high elevation, right? So a lot of sun. But it doesn't get as hot as areas like San Juan, where we've mm -hmm. worked in traditionally, or, or Mendoza, mm -hmm. because you're still a little bit farther south, which for our listeners in North America, that means it's colder as opposed to the northern and southern mm -hmm. hemispheres, right? Um, so I, I, I would say like, obviously it's a little bit easier to go down when you're in the summer there yep. just because like logistics are easier. Um, and there's like a general sentiment of joy in the mm -hmm. summer as mm -hmm. opposed to the winter. Mm -hmm. I think that we can all relate to. Right. Yeah. yeah. But like, um, so when we went down in August, they had these clubs, which the kids played for and it's like your team in your city, like your neighborhood club. Was it like that down there? Or was it just a community of people? Yeah, yeah, so it was actually uh, one of the clubs mm -hmm. kind of was able to to host us on large um, and, and kind of open their doors generously, uh, not only to the people of their own club, but to accept people from outside of their club to come and, mm -hmm. and, and get lessons from us and, and to hear our talks and, and whatnot. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it was fantastic, though. Yeah. Nice. And you mentioned that you met uh, some of the kids that we were actually teaching in August down there. The kids from Valle, um, Valle Grande, Valle Grande and Quinto yeah. Cuartel. Yeah, yes. Right. So afterwards, we went to Mendoza, uh, spent a few days there, mm -hmm. both on retreat 
for the company, or well, not for the company, for the charity, uh, and also to see uh, the kids of Chris Basket and Quinto Cordell and um, Valle Grande playing a basketball tournament that we sent them up to Mendoza. So it was pretty special. And in a few ways, I think like one, those children would not be going up to those areas if it wasn't for, for basketball. Like, you know, these are pretty impoverished communities. Like tourism is not like, you know, a thing that a lot of these kids expect or whatnot. So mm-hmm. just getting them out of their local area is, is really exciting. And, mm-hmm. and for that, for, for us to be able to see that and help out in that capacity yeah. was great. Um, especially the parents too. A lot of the parents were able to come, yeah. um, but also seeing them compete, you know, not only in their own province, but abroad, like mm-hmm. in other provinces mm-hmm. was also pretty special. Um, yeah. And, and we saw them play. They played fantastic. Um, like for kids that have only had now like two years of professional basketball kind of training day in and day out. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable how much they've like progressed. And, and I think we were talking about earlier about like kind of the differences in mentality when we were talking with the coaches of like, how do kids here play as opposed to kids, you know, that you've coached outside of like these poor neighborhoods, right. Or more impoverished areas. And, and what they've kind of and what that coach had told me was like these kids are mentally much stronger because they want to be here mm-hmm. and like this is for them like an outlet in many ways and and you really saw that on the court i mean those guys those guys play like the argentine soccer national team you know you know uh, <laughs> they play with their hearts right so yeah yeah that's awesome uh did you see any like applications where 8a could implement some of their educational side or yeah i mean well we mainly focused on basketball in that area yeah i mean so we've always been right step in step with the chris hair basket with our educational side right creating better citizens Mm -hmm. to be fair uh in in that whole department right and so you know a lot of these things of like being a good teammate not only comes from like actually playing good basketball right but also like good interactions between kids on the court right you know we've had a lot of kids like and their parents been helped with kind of uh you know family family help getting lessons on like different dynamics right that like you know some of us take for granted at times right so um you know how do you treat kids emotionally while being evaluating right and so i you know when i got there and, and you're watching these kids plays like they're focused on the game and, and you can really tell improvements, I think, from even when we were there in August, right? So, yeah, that was pretty awesome. Whoa, all right. Looks like we have a visitor coming in here. Sorry for those. We're, we're planning eventually to get a camera in the room so, you, so you'll see us law in, in step as we do the podcast and we'll put it up on YouTube. But uh, since you can't see right now, I see Nicholas Segura here, the CEO and president of Crossair. What an honor. Uh, what an honor to have him here. You want to join join in the podcast? I'd love to join in on the podcast. I think what you guys are doing is spectacular. All right. So we're, we're calling audible play here on the podcast, bringing in Nick here. So, uh, yeah, Nick, why don't you sit down and, and kind of give us a rundown? How, how are you feeling about things? We, you were down on the trip with us down there in, in uh, Mendoza, Mendoza portion of the trip. So how was it? What were your thoughts? Also, we saw them at the basketball game, right? So what were your thoughts on it at all? Yeah, what I would say is I'm more excited than ever. I think the things that we're doing with the foundation have really come together, maybe in a way that 
we hadn't ever realized to the extent that we are right now. And I think it is really special. Um, we have a lot of exciting programs that we're ready to unveil coming in the new year, kind of all uh, crescendoing into our fundraiser, which we're going to be hosting in April. That's something that we're really excited to announce here on the podcast. So awesome. that's, a, that's a bit of information that um, I want to give you guys is that we're going to be having the, the fundraiser in April. So be ready to uh, open your pocketbooks and uh, give out a donation to Chris Air Foundation. It is tax exempt, so that's uh, really important, and uh, you're going to be giving to a great cause. Aside from that, I think um, one of the main initiatives that we're going to be pushing forward is to really cement our home in San Juan, and I think that is really going to help us kind of create not only a home base that we've been developing for the past 10 years, but really cement our work in the space, really put down roots. And I think that is fundamental. And that's kind of the next iteration of growth for the foundation. Um, as to you know this past year and kind of taking a look back, I think we've done a really good job of continuing forward with a lot of the initiatives that have been put in place one of um, them being uh, Crisera 2030, where we're trying to reach every province in Argentina and every country in South America before the year 2030. So we're in 2022. Um, we have yet to go outside of Argentina, but um, we have a really exciting event that we're going to be hosting in Chile between our Crisera basket teams in San Juan and some local teams in Santiago, oh, so that'll awesome. be taking that'll be taking place in February 2024. So you guys are gonna bring the kids out from San Juan too? Yeah, Chile? it'll be a really special experience for them oh, to exciting. be able to uh, travel outside of the country. Something that a lot of the kids in that area never have an opportunity to do. It'll be special for them, their parents, right, to be able to experience another culture, um, and then also. To, to play against some good competition. So it should be a lot of fun, and we're really looking forward to that. I mean, it's a year and some change away, but, you know, these things take that, that kind of planning. Yeah, yeah um, for, for our listeners, that when we're talking about planning, like, you might look at the map of Argentina and Chile and say, oh, like, this sounds like uh, an easy drive, but it's not like going from, you know, Virginia to Tennessee or North Carolina. Like, what we're talking about is... Yeah, it might be you know a hundred mile difference between San Juan and, and Santiago, but you have to go through the Andes, the mm -hmm. mountains, and they're not small. These mountains, the sec, the tallest mountain in South America is in the province right over, like probably from San Juan. If all in all distance is probably within two hundred miles, so like you have to go underneath the mountain. It's I think it's a four or five hour car ride, if I'm not mistaken just to get through the Andes Mountains. So it's a it's a pretty big trek and it's a lot of planning, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean like Felipe said it it you're you're going over mountains of 20,000 feet easily. So um, it's quite the trek and anyway, I think it'll be a great adventure for for our boys and girls to be able to to travel to another country like I mentioned before and to play against some serious competition in Santiago. Um so yeah, that's that's going to be one of the first countries that we're going to be venturing outside of Argentina too. Um, 
this pro this past uh, December, like Felipe mentioned, we we ventured into a new province of Mendoza, and that was really special as well because our team was able to play against some of the better teams in the capital of Mendoza, and being a bigger, more international cosmopolitan city, you know they have more resources, so it was good measuring stick for us to see where we've come as a team and as a foundation that sponsors these teams, right? So, um, you know, the skill wise, you know, that gap has really diminished and we're starting to see the, the kids skill level really increase. But I think also the way that they were interacting with the competition and the way they've grown on the court. Right. And I know Felipe uh, mentioned this earlier about building a more responsible citizenry, building people and, and, young men and women who can take the lessons of basketball and apply them to their everyday lives, right? And that's the ultimate goal of what we're trying to do is not transplant people and and have them move outside of their local communities and things like that. We realize that strengthening the local communities and making them better from within is the most important thing that we can do. And I think sports do a great job of providing uh, uh the people, the, the the resources and the tools to be able to improve their communities. And it starts with the individual, right? And then gathering a small series of individuals. And then it starts to spread like wildfire. And something I really enjoyed about the World Cup early on was the Japanese fans, right? They're in Qatar. They're in a country that's not their own. And they're staying after the matches, picking up trash, that's right? Awesome. And that's mm -hmm. responsibility. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. kind of like an innate sense of stewardship, right? And it's not their country. It's not their city. It's not their stadium, right? But they're part of something, right? Their team is being represented there, right? And so they're going to continue that spirit, that tradition of stewardship, of a responsible citizenry. And that's kind of how I look at what we're trying to build in these places in San Juan and things like that. It's so important to embrace the place where you're from to, to try to make it as good as you can, you know, and you know, you go so through so many trials and tribulations in, in sports, especially in basketball, especially in team sports, you know, you, you have a regular season, you fight towards an objective, whether it's to win it, whether it's to, to survive, not get uh, uh, relegated. Um, and you have to coalesce and you have to be dynamic in your thinking and um, you can never get too high and never get too low and you have to persevere and you have to communicate with your teammates and you have to get over things, right? And a lot of those same lessons can be applied to daily life. And I think that's the thing that's lost in sports that as a foundation we really need to prioritize and bring to the fore how can we make those lessons right more readily available so that these kids can equip those those lessons to their daily lives right so it's not just hey you know when a shot doesn't go your way you know that's there and um, you shoot another one, right? Mm -hmm. That lesson can also be applied to, to your daily life, right? If something doesn't go your way, if something's difficult, you don't give up, right? You've been there before. You've missed a shot, right? You've lost a game. So when you go in real life and 
you know, you, you try to get that job and you're not able to get it. You're not scratching your head wondering, how do I, how do I get that job? What do I do? Right? You go back to the drawing board and you try again and you critically think to yourself, okay, what did I do wrong? What did I do? Well, maybe I get the opinion. I solicit the opinion of someone else who is in a similar job of the job that I want or something like that. And I keep pushing forward. So for us, it's really important to take these lessons that sometimes get buried within the subliminal aspects of sport and bring them to the fore and apply them. So I think that's a really big initiative that we're really working on. And um, like I mentioned earlier, it's, it's all part of the rootedness of San Juan and kind of building a physical center there that's for such a long time has been our spiritual center. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, and, and when we were down there, cause right, we hadn't seen the kids playing in a few months. Right. So like we were discussing earlier, like, all right, are these kids ready to join the, the leagues right in San Juan? Like which league are we, are we going to go for? And I remember Nick, you know, uh, if also for those who don't know, Nicholas is also my brother. Um, mm. you know, <laughs> so, you know, we were kind of discussing like, are these kids ready? You know, you know, these kids have only been playing for, for not so long, right? Like, can these kids really compete with kids that have been playing their whole lives mm-hmm. for in some of these clubs? And, and when we watched them, I mean, they were, they were playing, they were hanging in there. So we were, we were very happy to see kind of not only the way that they play, but the way that they carry themselves off the court. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was awesome. Yeah. I mean, bridging the divide and skill level is important too, right? Because you don't want to play a sport, commit so much of your time to something that you're just not good at yeah right like comparatively mm-hmm. right losing game in and game out that's not going to be enjoyable right it presents a very big obstacle and a challenge which with, with the right coach you know you could savor with those boys or girls and really try to get better and things like that but you don't want to start where you have such a big disadvantage and i think that's what we were talking about earlier with felipe's let's kind of assess and see where we're at and maybe join a lower league or maybe take things a little slower. But, you know, like I said, against a team from a place with a lot more resources, we were really able to compete and hold our own. And I think that was really encouraging because it shows that our boys and girls are ready for the next next step and to be federated and to be playing in these competitions that are, that are now going to be tallied and uh, wins and losses are going to be marked and stats are going to be kept and um, it's the next progression, and we're really happy about that because until this point, if our uh, our crowd or our listeners um, aren't as informed, up until this point, we've been working with the 12 and under age category, and in Argentina, that category isn't federated. So um, it's much more informal, like tournaments and scrimmages and the assistant coaches are the refs and things like that. The parents help out. Um, scores aren't kept. Only the time. So it's one thing to be playing in that league and then to see a discrepancy. But once you can actually start to look up and have an objective marker, that's when you got to make sure that you know uh, you're ready for that next step. Yeah. Right. Because it's not only uh, a much more uh, statistical framework. But it's also uh, a bigger financial um, challenge because now you have to travel not once a month, but every week 
to different teams and different games. And you have to practice more because the competition level has raised. But, you know, as we're going through this next process, right, and we're, we're jumping into federated leagues and things like that, I don't want our boys and girls and our coaches to lose sight of what's really important, right? And I think what's really important is, yes, to play the game at the highest level possible because we desire excellence in all things. But I think what's also important is to be able to abstract some of those lessons from, um, from, from the game of basketball and to, to adapt those to the age group that we're serving so that um, these kids can uh, really apply the life lessons that they're learning, these values that we so often talk about as a foundation mm -hmm. and uh, make it um, and, and realize it into their own lives. And uh, you know, one last thing I'd like to touch upon it's not just the boys and girls. It's not just the players in our teams. We really work a lot with the parents. And if you don't have the buy-in from the parents, a lot of what we're doing isn't gonna work out, right? Because we're teaching them one thing on the court when we have them, and then when they go home, they might be taught something else, right? Which might be counterproductive to everything that we're trying to build. So having the buy-in from the parents and having them understand the value, the real value of sports, right? Because sometimes we get too caught up in are boys and girls winning, are they losing, are they competitive, this, that, and the other. But we also want them to understand that this is a process, it's a journey, right? And you know, some teams might be more talented than others and might start further up that scale. But um, with persistence, resilience, fortitude, right? All the values that we hold so dear and that sometimes are kind of left at this subliminal level. We really want to bring those to the fore so that um, the parrots can really truly understand the value, the real value of sports and what makes it so incredibly important as a builder of community, of stewardship, and um, as a reservoir, I think, for a more responsible citizenry. Yeah, and I think uh, by setting down your roots in San Juan and you kind of like really foster that idea of community and you'll have like a feeder system to get, like you said, get those non-federated younger players through to that level and then kind of like have them grow up through that and create like a Crescer culture, which can then be used as like a model for when you expand to other parts of Argentina and really like kind of spread that the way that the players handle themselves and you know, go and behave that way when they play internationally. No, I mean that's an incredible point, Henry. Um, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it really is kind of a a breeding ground, if you will, a model for us to 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 be able to test, you know, everything that we've learned over the past ten years, and to kind of systematize and create a model that we can then spread. And right, all the outreach that we do, Crisera 2030, going to the different provinces of Argentina, um, going to all of the different countries in South America, you know, spreading the gospel of basketball, if you will. We do that because it's so important to understand these different communities, right? And they don't exist by themselves, right? They don't, they don't exist in their own silos, but they are different. Right? And we have to realize that and we have to be comfortable in learning about these different communities and things.
but also, you know, what we've been doing in San Juan, what we've been doing in Neuquén, there's so many lessons that we can give and provide to clubs that are maybe not as well equipped, right? And that are struggling to get by and that are trying to offer as many services as possible to parents and kids and are so caught up in the day-to-day that they don't have time to build a model. And for us and at Crisera, it's so important to, to really build out this model and to prove it with our boys and girls in San Juan and in Neuquén. And I think we've gotten to this level where we're ready, right? And it's, it's a buildup of 10 years of knowledge, of 10 years of mistakes, sometimes even failures, but successes, mm-hmm. right? And really being honest with ourselves at the end of the day, candidly, is what we're doing making a difference. Maybe we have to adjust this model somehow. Maybe we have to look at it through a different lens. And I think, you know, the real, um, I, I guess the value proposition, that the best thing that the foundation has ever done is just to be able to entertain these conversations and to really challenge itself at all times, right? And I think that's why we're at the place that we are now and we're ready to really um, cement this model and spread it to other clubs around Argentina and South America. Um, and I think it, it all revolves around community, local community, and uh, responsible citizenry. Yeah, I, I love that, you know, talking about hard conversations and whatnot. That's kind of how our podcast, you know, came to be, right? Like, you know, for some people you might see, like, originally we were thinking more like think tank and, and all that stuff. And all those thoughts came from, we have really interesting conversations here. What the market in terms of like what you find in YouTube, what you find in educational resources is, is not people having thoughtful conversations about poverty. It's people lecturing other people on this is poverty. This is how you solve it. But if, if it was so simple, then there would be poverty would have been solved, right? Like, you know, we, we allocate tons of money in the U S and all over the world to solving this issue of poverty. And, and, it's been very difficult to solve, yeah. right? So, yeah, I mean, entertaining those difficult conversations and, and, and constantly tinkering with the thermostat, as you're saying, Nick, is, is a really important component, I think, that really makes Crescere special. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is going to have to be for the next conversation that you guys host me on, but I'd love to get more into the topic of... Did you just self-invite yourself onto our <laughs> podcast? I know, I know you're my boss, but uh, we're gonna, we're gonna have to know. see if the yeah. fans want you back or not. Check the schedule. Yeah. All right, well, we'll we'll see what we'll see what our our listeners have to say. But um, no, it, it's always an honor to be on the podcast, fellas. Um, but like I was saying, I think you know if if God wills it, and you'll have me, and the listeners as well. Absolutely, I'd I'd love I'd love to talk about more about this idea of what poverty is mm-hmm. and kind of like the systems that we've built over the past century or two to combat that. Yeah. And how maybe some of these systems are antiquated and I maybe possibly what we're doing humbly in Argentina with the foundation could have said maybe that's a new way to tackle some of these problems. Right. And I think it starts again at the local community. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we view poverty as 
something that we need to take people, rescue them out of, right? And we need to transplant them and bring them someplace else, right? And I don't know if that's necessarily the case. And I think there's, there's a hearty philosophical discussion as well as a tangible and a real one to mm -hmm. be had. And I think it needs to be had. And uh, yeah, anyway, guys. I don't want to digress too much, but no, yeah, if you'll have me, I'd, I'd no, love we'll to definitely talk have about you that then, next. No, this been that's great. one of the uh, awesome parts about like kind of our cornerstone of our podcast has been this part, uh, conversation. What is poverty? And, you know, one of the greatest things is having so many different perspectives. So if we can get yours next time as someone who's actually actively looking to address this and has ob obviously thought about it, it's going to be awesome to, you know, kind of pick your brain at what you think about these things. Yeah, I appreciate it, fellas. And just to, to recap here a little bit, because I know we went. A couple different directions, which I think is good, you know. Um, I think a disjointed analysis at times kind of gives a, a a clearer picture of some things than maybe a cogent one, um, which only looks at it from one perspective. Um, but ultimately, I think uh, what we're doing with the foundation has been the culmination of a decade of work, and. Uh, we've reached the next phase and we're really excited about that phase. And so please stay tuned. We're going to be announcing through press releases and other official uh, foundational channels um, the things that uh, we're going to be spearheading over the course of the next year, two years, and decade, right? And uh, it's really exciting to kind of see the project move on and to 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 reach that next phase of its life. So, anyway, thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks for coming. It's been on. a pleasure. Thanks for coming. I, I I just brought you on to say hello. I didn't think we were yeah. gonna get the whole the whole spiel, but thank you yeah. so much. And and yeah, Nick, we'd love to have you on another podcast to to kind of pick your brains a little bit more, and that'd be great. So, yeah, absolutely. Thank you, thank you, everyone. This is Nicholas Segura and. Uh, yeah, I think I think this has been a great discussion. I think we're kind of running out of time here. You know, we kind of try to keep it short and sweet for for those listeners out there. But mm -hmm. uh, you know, thank you all for listening. It, it's been amazing continuing this podcast. You know, we keep planning on releasing this every month. Um, if you want to learn more about our specific group, Aid Aids Argentina, you know, you can find us on Instagram at uh, Aid to Argentina. Aid to Argentina and. You can find Cressair as well on Instagram and Cressair Basket as well. So we The Cressair Instagram is Fundacion Cressair? Or what's the handle? Cressair Foundation. Cressair Foundation. Oh, this Fundacion is the Spanish one. Yes. See, I got it right. Yeah, well, we also have it in Spanish. So for those Spanish listeners, we have it at Fundacion Cressair. Yeah. So, you know, please subscribe, follow, hit the like button. Mm hmm. Um, we'd love to have yeah. you guys continue your support for the foundation. Yeah. I mean, anything that you can do, you know, spread the word, uh, helps a lot, you know, to get us to where we want to go. And like, we can't do this on our own. It, it does a lot with what people can do to, you know, help spread our mission. So on behalf of me, Felipe Segura, Joey Friddle, Henry Masriegas, have a Merry Christmas. God and, bless. And we'll see you next time.